0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Natasha Kanova, and I head J.P. Morgan Global Commodities Research. Today, we would like to discuss why Chinese jet fuel demand is so important for global oil balances this year. Last year's oil demand growth was fueled by surging American travel. Uh, So, for example, American travel recovered to almost 90% of pre-pandemic level by the end of the year. Uh, Numerically, in 2022, out of the total 1.9 million barrels per day global oil demand growth, JET accounted for almost 1 million barrels per day, with the U.S. contributing 20% out of that. As the rebound in the U.S. travel demand levels off in 2023, the rest of the world, in particular China, is expected to drive continued growth. So what are the numbers? In 2023, we project that jet fuel demand will contribute 60%, or about 1.3 million barrels per day, to global oil demand growth of 2.2 million barrels per day. China will be accounting for 300 kbd out of that. Uh, JET, which is evenly split between domestic and international travel in the case of China, is expected to be the key driver of Chinese oil demand growth this year, contributing almost 40% to the total growth in Chinese oil demand of about 750 KBD this year. China's reopening shouldn't be viewed in isolation. It's a very major player in the region, uh, so it's an undoubted boon for Asia-Pacific countries. And we pencil in another 240 KBD of oil demand growth to come from the region. So as a whole, Asia will account for nearly 60% of global oil demand growth in 2023, up from negative 3% contribution in 2022. Uh, so China is a major player, but it's impacting other regions as well. And so for that, from that perspective, we need China to perform and we need Chinese jet fuel to perform this year to, to be able to average our numbers and our price forecasts. So in January, we found the setup in China not so different from the setup in the United States in June 2020, um, where we're considering a strongly reopening economy, Chinese households with record savings and record low mortgages and interest rates. So we believe that, like in the United States, the consumption-led recovery in China will be boosted by a combination of cash-rich consumers that are ready to travel. So we model Chinese travel recovery after the experiences of the United States economy emerging from its own pandemic restrictions, uh, when international travel in the United States surged from 10% of pre-COVID levels in April 2022 to almost 50% by the end of, uh, by the end of 2020, which is a remarkable result, considering that most destinations uh, at that time were still close to international travels. Uh, but the return of Chinese travelers so so far has been slow. Um, so there are a couple of factors, uh, or a combination of factors, that uh, could be blamed for this slow growth. Um, so first of all, it's what we're observing is that there's a shifting pattern of consumption taking place in China. So repeated waves of lockdowns over the last three years have weakened consumption in China and swelled Chinese household cash holdings to about. 10 trillion RMNIB, and this is a record high. This giant increase in deposits uh, suggested to us that there is a lot of ex- excess savings waiting to be spent, uh, a development that admittedly, I would have to say, has influenced our projections for the speed and strengths of the Chinese international travel recovery. Um, instead, uh, Chinese consumers have chosen to repay their mortgages early, extending the trends that actually started in the second half of 2022 when uh, residential mortgage loans dropped in uh, in quarter over quarter terms for the first time in a decade in china china's travel spending can still have um, a substantial rebound in 2023 um, but with average international ticket prices around three times more uh, than they were in 2019 travel in China will likely remain an option, uh, optional consumption for risk-averse Chinese households. Another reason what we have been observing uh, from talking to our clients in China is that for many Chinese, the allure of international travel has been eclipsed by now by a desire to head to their hometowns and reunite with their families that they haven't seen for three years. So because of that, over the Chinese New Year, A lot of the Chinese households actually opted to visit their families instead of traveling internationally. There are also limited destination options. For example, when China announced that it would reopen from January 8th, the focus was initially on Hong Kong and Macau. Uh, The the second phase began on February 6th and it included only 20 countries to where the Chinese travelers were allowed to book tours and packaged vacations. It's the flights and hotels that's the preferable way for Chinese uh, tourists to travel. Uh, since then, China reopened for more destinations, so it's it's reciprocated lifting of restrictions in other countries. Uh, for example, Japanese border controls for, for travelers from China way east on uh, March 1st. Uh, South Korea, Australia, the EU, United States will also uh, be removing any testing requirements for travelers from China starting from March 11th. Um, so, international travel in China also remains constrained by a lack of flights, soaring ticket prices, months-long delays for passports and visa renewals. Um, so, uh, some of the numbers there that currently the international flight capacity is operating only at about fifteen to twenty percent uh, levels of two th- uh, 15 to twenty percent of two thousand nineteen levels. Um, the same, you know, with the par- passport applications, uh, China resumed processing those applications for mainland residents only in January. Uh, they were actually uh, closed for almost three years. Um, so the same, you know, with the visa we're hearing that, uh, that there are months long delays uh, to, to, to receive visa, for example, to, to travel to United States or Schengen visa to travel to European Union. So dragged down by this tepid recovery in international travels uh, china's daily flight have stabilized at about 84 percent of 2019 levels that that is about 10 percentage, percentage points below our initial estimates so this translates to about 80 uh, kbd of lower jet fuel demand in the first quarter um, so what we decided to do is that we trimmed our first quarter numbers but we opt to keep our china jet fuel demand change for the second quarter and uh, for the third and the fourth quarter as well. So we're projecting that the Chinese uh, jet fuel demand will average just slightly under 800 uh, KBD on annualized basis this year. Um, so given that domestic travel has almost normalized to pre-COVID levels for our forecast to materialize when need Chinese outbound travel to recover from today's 23% of pre-COVID levels to about 30% into, in the second quarter of the year. in the third quarter, and 50% by the end of the year. Uh, We find these targets feasible. So first of all, as we said, the most popular outbound destinations uh, already have lifted uh, COVID testing requirements starting from March 11th. But also, if you look at the bookings for overseas travels, uh, they have skyrocketed. For example, in the case... Uh, To Italy, they increased by 59% uh, versus 2019 levels in terms of bookings to Korea by 29%, Australia 42% and other Asian, uh, uh, Asian countries by about 34%, suggesting that the outbound flies should pick up significantly starting from the second half of March. And then we expect the usual normal seasonality in China when demand really, really picks up during the summer months. Thank you all to listening to the Commodities Edition at JPMorgan at Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continue the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JPMorgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on March 10th, 2023.